Today on the Polaris broadcast, we are going to talk about some recent events that have occurred. If you have not heard and you're listening to this broadcast, you will be surprised to learn that the United States decided to back out of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, popularly known as the Iran nuclear deal. This occurred as of the 8th of May, 2018. At the beginning of this, I want to make the disclaimer, of course, uh, Polaris Greystone Financial Group is an investment advisor, and as such, our focus in these issues, any issues that we explore, is going to be how do they affect investment strategy. Clearly, this is a highly charged topic, but just remember, we are trying to help investors make decisions, and these impact decisions that are made. So with that disclaimer, I'm going to introduce uh, Jeffrey Powell once again, our Chief Investment Officer. Hi, Jeff. Hi, John. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. Interesting world that we're living in. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you just said is one thing that we probably want to just, again, really make sure that we drive home, which is the fact that every single person is going to be viewing uh, something that is politically driven and how it impacts them specifically in their own personal belief system. And as you eloquently said to us, we're really trying to be as agnostic as we possibly can and really only look at how this truly impacts the markets as an overall and how it will possibly impact our clients specifically. So mm-hmm. again, as you listen to this, try to keep in mind, that's really the tact and the meaning of which we're trying to, to drive from this entire conversation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So again, just to kind of bookend the conversation, we're going to be talking about the Joint Comprehensive uh, Plan of Action deal. Um, it's going to have an effect on things. Obviously, if you're in energy, I think, right, or defense, it is going to impact your overall approach. And Jeff, if you could kind of get into what your view on that uh, subject is. Well, we've already sort of seen this go on even prior to this. I don't think it came as an enormous surprise, even though the, the, a lot of the the people that were part of it, the EU partners, Germany, France, UK, were all really trying to push the United States to stay in the Iran nuclear deal and try to negotiate the, the things that we really didn't like about it, or at least that the Republican Party did not like about the plan. Uh, they, they were really kind of trying to push uh, for us to remain in it and then to negotiate from there. A lot of people, and if you look at what was going on with oil prices over the last several months, really that the the price movement really will kind of spoke for itself and the fact that most people believed that we would exit it and with exiting it uh, and the potential of putting forth sanctions you're really removing the third largest producer of oil in opec from the broad-based market so if you're removing uh, the oil production it should be making oil prices go up as a direct result of that and that's what we've really been saying with that, really, I mean, if you're looking at higher, higher oil prices, one of the first things to naturally go to is higher inflation. And with higher inflation, you're going to see, again, the potential of the Federal Reserve making more moves than they've previously discussed, or the, the, at the very least, ups the probability of mm-hmm. that. Now, Jeff, I think that it's worth visiting the topic of, of oil. Obviously, um, it's had a huge effect um, on the markets as of late, over the last uh, five plus years, really, um, it's been in a specific channel. And when I say specific, it's been it's been doing rather rather poorly on a price point. Uh, but just you know, numerically, fifty to seventy. Um, I mean, if you're looking at West Texas Intermediate, which is I think the one that we prefer, um, you're looking at seventy plus uh, dollars per barrel right now, right? And that's a big deal. 
Yeah, I mean, if kind of going back over the history, I think that it's certainly worthwhile because, uh, as you said, it certainly had an impact. I mean, oil prices were significantly higher four or five years ago. They really kind of peaked out in the summer of 2014, uh, started to drop in 2014, all the way into uh, the very beginning of 2016, where they bottomed out at about $24 a barrel. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember back then, uh, 2015 was a challenging year. 2016, the beginning was certainly a challenging year. And, And really the big fear there was if oil is so low, all the banks had had been issuing lending to frackers and other oil companies with oil prices as low as they were margins went away they were a lot of people were really worried about mm-hmm. the oil industry being able to service their debt and from there if they weren't able to service their debt would it have a contagia into the financial markets once again mm-hmm. so and oil it- has had that impact having it being back where it is uh, while it certainly has an impact on things like inflation, $70 a barrel is really not uh, over the top. I mean, we could easily see it go another five to $10 a barrel, not have a huge impact, but what it really is, is starting to have a material positive impact on things like earnings and margins uh, within the uh, the oil industry. For example, it the, the estimate is that it costs between 50 and $60 a barrel uh, to withdraw uh, oil out of uh, the Gulf, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, for example. So when you're doing platform drilling, it's much more expensive than being on land for obvious reasons. So you, you're going to start seeing other things, other impacts. Uh, all the suppliers, uh, the uh, the equipment manufacturing that goes into the oil industry. There's a ripple effect by seeing oil prices going up. It's not all bad. Yeah, and we live in a consumer-driven economy, as you're very frequently telling us. And so if you live in certain markets and you're dependent on the industry for your uh, survival, this is going to have a direct effect on your ability to, to, to lead a lifestyle that you, that you want. Well, you're seeing a couple things getting paired together. I mean, obviously, if there are sanctions, and again, it's not 100% certain that sanctions will be coming, uh, this very well could be a negotiation tactic by mm-hmm. the United States to bring Iran to the table uh, to get really the, the issues that they have with the deal, namely the sunset clause of of being able to start making uh, and enriching uranium in 2030, and also the ballistic missile manufacturing that's going on there, Mm -hmm. are truly the two name items that the United States wants uh, off the table. They want Iran to always be nuclear-free, and they certainly don't want them to have the capability of strapping a nuclear warhead on top of a ballistic missile and launching it anywhere. So... The negotiating piece, I think that this is really critical to just for a second, if we can focus on this. So I think you bring up an important point. There's a, what, a 90-day provision on this? Um, In other words, we haven't seen the markets react, really. Is this probably because there isn't a lot of immediate effects uh, to the withdrawal? There's time frames. I I think it's kind of twofold. One is you can sit there, there's there's two different uh, windows. There's a 90-day and 180-day window of... Uh, reimposing uh, sanctions on Iran. Mm-hmm. What does Iran produce that the the world really needs? I mean, really, when you're looking at it, the the, the number one thing that that Iran is doing is is really producing oil for everybody else. So, mm-hmm. if you're looking at the impact on 
world GDP growth, Iran's not exactly the driving force behind it. So sanctions against them really are uh, the, the amount of money that's going into the, that country as us as an exporter mm-hmm. and other countries as exporters is fairly limited with the size of, of their economy. So that would mm-hmm. be one of the things that I would be looking at. The other is that, again, is has anything been imposed? Has there been a ripple effect to it? I mean, what you can argue is that it puts further strain on our relationship with our EU partners, Germany, France, UK. Uh, you also have China and Russia as part of the deal. Uh, and obviously, we are in direct negotiations right now with China with regard to our trade deficit with them. So uh, this is a, a fairly complicated situation. It dovetails into many other items out there. What I was going to hit on was the fact that even losing oil production from Iran, the amount of oil that's being produced, especially by OPEC countries, was cut on purpose in order to stabilize and drive prices back up. Right. And when you've seen OPEC and non-OPEC kind of collaborating over the last few years. Mostly Russia. and, And it's one of the first times you've actually seen Russia not cheat on an OPEC deal because, again, in days past, uh, Russia being a very large oil producer, but here's the reality: the United States is the world's largest oil producer now. Now, and yeah. so I mean, OPEC, while they can certainly have an influence, uh, certainly doesn't change things entirely. Where they were able to, for example, back in the early '70s when we mm. had gas lines, that was as a direct result of OPEC and and OPEC's control over the oil industry, which has radically changed. What I was going to hit on is that this natural growth in oil prices also is as a direct result of worldwide GDP growth. If you look at the IMF, the World Trade Organizations, you look at all uh, at the World um, Bank and so on, they're all putting out projections of above average world growth. Mm-hmm. And again, lots of stimulation going on, uh, stimulus programs in the United States, stimulus programs going on in Europe. Uh, and in Asia that are all driving factors also towards additional consumption of oil. So this oil price moving up is is a natural progression. We are seeing oil prices going up as a direct result of the United United States' announcement of of leaving the Iran nuclear deal. Interesting. Now, this also occurs in a time of, um, I think there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of friction occurring between some major world powers. Might this also... Um, have an uh, enhancing effect um, on a lot of these things. And then I'm specifically thinking of defense plays. If you're an investor, um, are you looking a little bit more positively, um, certainly as a chief investment officer, at some of the opportunities in that space, or does that factor in at all? Well, you have to look at it just to some extent, but really, I mean, we're going to go after what's truly going on versus what might be going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of it is that we have announced that we we're going to spend more money on defense. So having your larger companies that are in that space are most likely the ones that are going to win the contracts that are going to be issued as a result of our increasing our defense spending is really the way that we have played it out ourselves and the Mm -hmm. individual holdings that we have within the defense space and our portfolios as we speak right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Any specific uh, sectors or any names, anything? direct effects of these events going on i mean our our current clients know the holdings that are sitting in their portfolios and if you don't really understand the the full gamut of uh the defense companies that are sitting in your portfolios please sit down with your wealth advisor we can go through those in in a very specific manner um areas that we're still continuing to like a lot technology uh technology stocks are, are doing extremely well we've had a little bit of what i'm referring to as headline headwinds uh impacting them you've had 
Over 90% of the technology companies that have reported earnings for first quarter have beat and exceeded analyst expectations. We're seeing a huge spike in earnings growth, 25% earnings growth quarter over quarter uh, with the companies that have already reported in the S&P, and that's over 80% of the S&P 500 has already reported to their earnings, and 80% of those have exceeded expectations. So mm -hmm. we've got a big earnings run. We've got a very large revenue run. We've got a lot of corporate cash sitting on the sidelines. We've got a lot of dividend, buy, uh, dividend payouts, a lot of share buybacks, a lot of really, really, really positive things going on in the markets. The thing that we constantly want to reiterate, and we've done this over and over again, is to look at geopolitical issues and looking at their impact or their longer-term impact on the market, or really what I should be saying is the lack thereof. Right, context, <clears throat> or yeah. proportion, rather. That's exactly right. So while some people reacted and said, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to be happening here? And again, look, we all want world peace. We're not sitting there trying to sit there and say that exiting it is... You know the worst thing in the world because again having a permanent nuclear free iran if that's where we can get to in the end is a safer thing than having one that could potentially start en enriching uranium in 12 years time having a country that is no longer building ballistic missiles again pretty mm -hmm. positive thing we just need to get to that result and sometimes playing tough is the way that you have to do it now again am i agreeing with all of the for lack of a better way of saying it, antics that go into it, you know, there's probably better ways, more diplomatic ways of being able to handle it. But if the end result is the end result, you know, uh, the market should react to the actual results, not the the in between of it. So we're actually trying to look at this and look at the mm -hmm. the positives out of what's going on. Again, expectations for second quarter are even greater than what we're experiencing right now. The next four quarters are actually uh, estimated to be even stronger. And things like what's going on right now don't look like they could derail it. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that could? Sure. Mm -hmm. But again, we'd rather not react. We'd rather be looking at what's truly going on versus what might be going on. Interesting. So in your view, these are generating some excitement, but the broader um, context for this is, is things, are, things are, are mostly on an up note. Yeah, I mean, again, what's the biggest impact of oil prices going up? Uh, so uh, the Iran nuclear deal, really, again, we have... Um, you know, one company that I would throw out that might have a direct impact is Boeing. Uh, Boeing has uh, a $20 billion uh, verbal agreement with Iran Airlines. There's no mm -hmm. contract in place. But they've got such a big backlog right now that the amount of money that would be from these few plans that they're ordering is actually pretty small. And if you look at the price movement of Boeing Airlines, it's actually gone up, not yeah, gone down yeah. uh, since the, this backing out. Um, you, there is rumor or, or estimates that there's another couple billion dollars worth of, of corporate deals, uh, both public and private uh, companies, uh, with different com companies and, and the uh, actual government of Iran. So there could be a small impact from that kind of perspective. Obviously, if you're one of those companies that has a big deal with uh, Iran, then it's a bigger impact to you. But uh, the reality behind it is, is that it's really a limited impact. Oil prices is the, is the big one, and, and the potential inflation. The Federal Reserve is already in front of this. I mean, we're already talking about having uh, zero probability right now of uh, Fed funds remaining where they are in their, after the June meeting. So we're looking at a 25 basis point move uh, as the most probable move that the Federal Reserve will do in a month's time. We're looking at having one, maybe two more moves after that. If we were to start to see inflation really kind of pop up, then yes. But right now, 
CPI numbers are really not that inflationary. They're sitting a little over 2%. In historic terms, that is not inflation. Yeah, it's pretty muted. I think uh, the earnings are coming in really well during this earnings season um, at the same time. So there, there don't seem to be a lot of reasons why. Um, we should look forward to a lot of doom and gloom for the rest of the summer. Yeah, the thing that, again, that I look very interestingly at is we've had these amazing record earnings that are going on. And what's the price movement that you've seen from the stock market? No, it's been, been pretty, pretty dull. Pretty, pretty uh, sublime, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, muted at the very best. Yeah. Um, but I do think that as you start to see some of these clouds uh, uh, blow away, uh, that you'll start to see some significant price movements. Uh, especially in the areas that we're seeing the greatest amount of strength with earning surprises. All right. Well, I trust you have your hands full with a lot going on. Any uh, comments as we uh, as we take off for today, Jeff? You know, again, I think that the, the biggest thing that I would throw out is, uh, while it's sometimes hard to not uh, invest with your stomach or with your heart, uh, really the more clinical that you can be with how you manage your emotions uh, and how you manage your portfolio, the better that you'll see in the way of the results. It's truly the cornerstone of how we manage money is to really be uh, as clinical as we possibly can with this stuff. So if we're hitting on something that you don't fully agree with, again, kind of take it into the context of, am I looking at this in, you know, in my own context? Do I have rose colored glasses on or is this actually, a, am I looking at this as clinically as they are? Uh, because again, really, I think we all want the same thing. World peace. We want to see stable economies. We want to see our markets going up. We want to see all the same things. It's a question of how we get there. All right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Have a great day, Jeff. Thank you so much, John. All right. Take care. Polaris Greystone Financial Group LLC is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Polaris Greystone does not offer legal or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Greystone Financial Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Greystone Financial Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.